Hello and welcome to Legendary Africa, the podcast where a disembodied voice speaks about African myths, legends, and folklore straight into your ear canal. Have you watched those canals yet? I'll know if you're lying. I'll know. host the Shira, the disembodied voice you can't escape, and Legendary Africa is produced by the infamous Hestia the Daug, and we have an unpaid intern as well, Athena the Dago, who is really just trying to get some college credits. So do you know what I watched last night? I'll tell you. Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. It has been years since I watched that movie. A true classic from Bollywood. If you haven't watched it, please do. Yes, it's old now, and yes, it does promote some stereotypical notions about woman and marriage, but you can still love the cute story, right? I used to watch Kuch Kuch over and over again when I was a kid. Mostly for the dance routines, songs, and the ladu. Man, that looked like great ladu. Uh, for those who don't know, ladu is a ball-shaped sweet which is usually served on festival religious occasions like Diwali, uh, the Hindu festival of lights, and sometimes on Eid in some Muslim communities. Anyway, I got distracted. So Kuch Kuch Hotahe is about two best friends, Rahul and Anjali, who are played by Shah Rukh Khan and Kajal, my very first OTP, who are in college together. Rahul falls in love with Tina, the principal's daughter, and Anjali, who realizes she's in love with her best friend, leaves college and goes back home heartbroken. I gotta say guys, I always hated the fact that Anjali dropped out of college. I mean, come on girl, you're an independent woman who don't need no man. But you know, it was the 90s. Anyway, spoiler alert by the way, Tina dies in childbirth, and Rahul raises his daughter with his mother. His daughter Anjali, yep, Tina named her Anjali because that's a normal thing to do. She decides to get her dad together with his ex-best friend and her namesake, who is now conveniently working at a summer camp. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Romance. Now, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it is a classic, guys. Go watch it if you haven't. Anyway, now that I've completely gone off topic, today's episode includes two tales from the humble Kushu people, both involving bunnies. Well, actually their hairs. Uh, I need to briefly interrupt this episode to quickly find out the difference between a hare and a bunny rabbit. One second. Two thousand years later. Okay, so basically the hare is the Terminator and the bunny rabbit is whiny-ass John Connor from the Terminator 2. Hares are bigger, stronger, can't be domesticated, basically come out of the womb hopping, and actually a totally different species to the rabbit. Who knew, huh? Science. So the humble Kushu people originate mainly from the Okvango Delta region in Botswana and Angola. However, over the years, the humble Kushu have settled all along the Okvango River, which begins in Angola, runs through Namibia, and then ends in Botswana, where it drains into the Morami Game Reserve. Uh, now, the humble Kushu have also settled in parts of Zambia. So the Okvango Delta officially joined the Seven Wonders of Africa in 2013, when the Wonders were voted for in Arusha, Tanzania, and um, it's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The Humber Kushu people are renowned for their rainmaking practices and are actually often called the rainmakers of the Okvango. They are also known for their great skills in basket weaving, which they use to catch fish. They also have other baskets, which they sometimes make for selling. Now, the baskets that they use to catch fish are actually really beautiful. You should go and Google a picture of it. So, prior to 1909, the Humber Kushu people were largely unaffected by European influence. In 1909, German missionaries arrived due to the Scramble for Africa, which, if you didn't know, the Scramble for Africa was the invasion, partition, occupation, and colonization of Africa by European powers between 1881 and 1914. 
Then in 1950, South African officials arrived to recruit Hambukushu men to work in South African mines. Now in 1967, 3,300 Hambukushu people from the south of Angola fled as refugees into Botswana due to the violent attacks by the Portuguese during Angola's War of Independence. With help mainly from the Botswana government and the UN, the Hambukushu people were able to start a new life in Botswana. Okay, now enough about history. You can um you can unmute me now. So our first tale begins with a leopardess named Nthu. Nthu had three cubs who were the most precious things to her, and every day she guarded them with her life. But her cubs needed to eat, and so Nthu was forced to leave them to hunt. So that they were not in danger, Nthu made an agreement with Kadima the hare. In exchange for guarding her cubs, Kadima could have a share of whatever she hunted. I know, it appears that hares are also meat eaters, contrary to our naive beliefs. This is exactly why they're terminator bunnies. So the hare and leopardess continued in this beneficial relationship happily, until terrible drought descended onto the land, causing most of the animals to migrate away to find water. Now, because of her young cubs, Nthu wasn't able to follow these animals, and so lost her source of food. Because of their arrangement, Kadima was also unable to leave. Every day, Nthu came back with smaller and smaller animals for supper, and every day, Kadima and the cubs grew hungrier. Eventually, Nthu was returning empty-handed, or um, empty-poured, I guess, and Kadima and the cubs were starving. Then, on one of those days, Nthu returned and found Kadima chowing down on a mouth-watering piece of meat. The fuck? Where did you get that from? Nthu asked, pointing incredulously at the hare, feasting happily. Kadima licked his lips nervously before replying, Uh, well, there was this diker, you see, and it wandered past the cave, and, well, I, I caught it and I ate it, after feeding your cubs, of course. Nthu stared at the hare for several long minutes. She stared at his soft, clawless paws. She shrugged. Seems legit, she said, and fell asleep. The next day, the same thing happened. This time, Nthu asked Kadima to bring her cubs to her, which Kadima did. Kadima carried the first one in, then the second, then the third. All healthy. The next day, Nthu again returned without any prey, to find Kadima gasping for breath outside the cave, his fur scuffed and splattered with blood. Help! Men! Pointy teeth! Kadima gasped. Nthu looked everywhere for her cubs, but found only broken branches and a scratched-up trail. Kadima pointed his shaky paw towards a path which led to a small human village. They beat me as I tried to save them, Nthu. I tried. I almost died. Kadima wailed. Nthu let out a roar of anguish. So loud, the ground shook beneath Kadima's body. Vowing to kill every single man, woman, and child in the village, she leapt off with a roar. As she approached the village, she spotted a group of young boys herding some cattle. But before she could bounce on them, the sound of a bird crying stopped her in her tracks. The bird was a luri, or go-away bird as some people call it, because it literally sounds like it's telling you to politely fuck off. Nthu turned her head towards the trees and saw the bird frantically waving its wings at her. It explained that the people of the village were not to blame for the deaths of her cubs, but that it was Kadima the hare who had killed and eaten them. Okay. So I know everyone has already worked that out, but let's take it easy on Nthu. I mean, she's a single, working mother with a really shitty nanny. Give the girl a break. Nthu sat stunned for a few moments. But Kadima brought all my cubs to me only yesterday, she protested weakly. The Luri told another bird to fuck off before turning to Nthu to explain. 
you brought the same cubs to each time. You were so tired you didn't even notice. Then Kadima faked an attack to cover up for killing your last cub. Now I have to interrupt the story to ask, if the Luri had witnessed all of this, why the fuck didn't it say anything after the first cub was eaten? I mean, was it like, oh, well, that's unusual babysitting activity, but I mean, probably won't happen again, and oh, there goes the second one. Like, what the fuck, Luri? You go away. Ndu flew back to the cave in a rage, but Kadima had already fled the scene, leaving no trace of where he had gone. The story goes that Nthu is still searching for the hare who murdered her cubs, and that this is why leopards hunt alone, and are solitary creatures, and why hares are so skittish, and run without looking back. Because if they do, they might find a leopardess stalking them, hungry for revenge. And so ends our story of Nthu and the treacherous Kadima, who is going to get a score of minus 20 out of 10 on RateABabysitter.com. I hope you enjoy the folktale, and you now understand that hares or rodents of any kind cannot be trusted with babies. Rats. They eat babies. Alright, it's now time for the weird and wacky segment in which I will tell you some weird and wacky facts about this world we live in. Weird and wacky fact number one. Cheetahs can't roar. They meow. Like house cats. Take a listen. I mean, okay, just let's just compare that. Let's compare it with a lion roar. And now compare it with a tiger's roar. I mean, like, it's pathetic. They're baby cats. They're house cats, only bigger. Fact number two. The wood frog from Alaska can hold its pee for as long as eight months. Eight months. They do this during the winter, because apparently their pee helps them survive during hibernation. Now, according to several reliable sources, certain microbes in their gut recycle the urea into nitrogen. Truly the wonders of nature. I mean, like, why can't we hold our pee for eight months? Like, can you imagine the shit we would do if we didn't have to go to the bathroom every two hours? Fact number three. Humans actually glow. Research has shown that the human body emits low levels of light around 10am and high levels around 4pm. We are basically fireflies. We're adorable, little, glowing creatures. If you ever feel bad about yourself and think that you're ugly and not important, no, 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 honey. You're a firefly. Own it. Fact number four. Space. Smells like seared steak according to several astronauts. Do with that what you will. The next tale from the humble Kushu people is that of the hare and the crocodile. At some point, many, many years ago, in the quiet and swampy waters of the great Okvango, Ngando the crocodile lived by himself. Now he was quite old for a crocodile, and had lived in these waters since he had hatched. He would see herds of animals come and go, no one would pay any thought to him, he was basically Eeyore. Then, one day, Ngando saw a herd of zebra approaching and decided, Today, I'm going to take one giant leap for crocodile kind. Hey, girlfriends! Ngando said a little too enthusiastically. The zebra glanced at each other in confusion and greeted him cautiously. So, Ngando continued, flicking his tail in what he hoped was a casual manner. I was wondering if you guys would at all be open to me joining the herd for a little bit. You know, it gets boring here in the swamp by myself. With everyone ignoring me. All alone. Just me. The zebra snorted impatiently and motioned for him to follow them. Fine, fine, your sob story. Come on, they said. And so, 
Kanto joined the herd. I thought the zebra did warn him that he would struggle being so far away from water, but he cheerfully ignored them. For a while it did work out, while the zebra grazed in one area, but when they wanted to move on, Ngando was soon there far behind, and by the time he had caught up to where they had been grazing, the zebra were ready to move on to the next area. Soon, Ngando was so hot and tired that he just couldn't move anymore. Dragging himself to a nearby tree, he dug himself a nice hole to lie in, and fell fast asleep. Now, guys, when crocodiles sleep, they almost look like they're dead. I remember that whenever my parents took us to the Crocwold Conservation Center here in KZN, I would stare for ages at the sleeping crocodiles, and they really did seem dead to me. <laughs> but don't be tricked by these sneaky fuckers. They will be up before you can blink. Anyway, so, Ngando fell asleep, and when the zebra wanted to move on, they called him, but he didn't reply. Checking on him, they believed that he was dead, and they held a brief moment of silence in respect for their unusual friend before moving on. And so, Ngando was left alone. Enter Hare, the star of our show. Hare had been wandering around, as hares do, looking for the next sucker to exploit, when he spotted the most unusual thing. Ngando, the crocodile sleeping on an old tree. Hare's eyes lit up as an idea formed in his head, and he very carefully woke the old crocodile up. Eh, uh, what's up, croc? Why are you lying here in the shade by your lonesome? Hare asked. Ngando scowled at him and explained that he had stupidly thought that the zebra would be his new friends and he'd make a life on the plains, but now he sees that the zebra have abandoned him and he, he would be alone for the rest of his miserable, miserable life. Now I'm stuck here like an old, dumb leather boot. Hare carefully patted Ngando's back with a paw and tuttered. <sighs> That's the thing with zebra's crock. They're too high and mighty for us. Why don't I help you back to the swamp? Hare suggested, and Ngando eagerly agreed. But before he could move, Hare stopped him with a crafty smile. Of course, Croc, you gotta do something for me in return. Ngando frowned, but agreed, and Hare bent down to whisper his plan to the crocodile. Now elsewhere on the plains, Hyena was loping about, searching for any abandoned carcasses which may be lying about for him to snack on, when Hare came bounding up. Immediately, Hyena prepared to pounce on his enemy, but Hare yelled at him to stop. He explained that there was an old dead crocodile lying nearby, which they needed to return to the river so as to avoid the anger of the gods. Hyena's eyes lit up with glee and agreed to help Hare, thinking meanwhile that he had just been handed a rather scrumptious dinner. So Hare and Hyena shakily carried Ngando back to the river and placed him as gently as they could into the shallows of the river. After Hare left, Hyena rubbed his paws together in delight, and decided to leave the crocodile there for a bit so that his body would get tender enough for him to eat. As soon as he was gone, Ngando stirred and slipped into the deep waters back to his underwater home. When Hyena came back, he saw that the crocodile had disappeared, so he waded into the river, thinking that, well, the crocodile must have slipped into the deeper waters by accident. Being so hungry and eager for his meal, Hyena didn't notice the waters rippling behind him, nor the snout which slowly appeared, or the beady eyes which appeared soon afterwards. Before Hyena could twitch a whisker, Ngando lunged and caught Hyena by the middle with his jaws. Hyena screamed, but his blows were useless against Ngando's thick skin, and he was soon dragged under. Hare, meanwhile, had watched the entire thing from afar, his smirk growing bigger and bigger by the second. He hopped over to the river's edge and waited. Sure enough, Ngando appeared, 
grinning happily as his stomach bulged. Eh, what's up, Croc? Hare asked with a grin. Ngandu laughed and laughed and laughed. And so our tale comes to an end. My sources for this episode were Wikipedia, tripdownmemorylane.blogspot, and gepicamp.com. The story of Kadima and Thu was from When Hippo Was Hairy and Other Tales from Africa by Nick Greaves, and the story of the hare and Ngandu the crocodile is from When Lion Could Fly and Other Tales from Africa by Nick Greaves. Now before I go, I have another amazing promo for you guys, and a few other pod recommendations. This promo is from the Plum Forest podcast, which is simply an amazing podcast that takes classical Chinese fables and modernizes them through the format of an audio drama. I love it. Take a listen. Welcome to the Plum Forest podcast. On this podcast, I take old school Chinese short stories and then I translate them into a modernized version in modernized English. There's very little Chinese, so don't worry about that part. And I narrate these stories and some of my friends give me a hand doing the voices of the characters. These stories are meant to be like me and you are having a cup of coffee and I'm telling you a story. Here's a clip you can check out and if you like it, give us a subscribe or a follow. Anyways, stay safe everyone. Mrs. Stewart rushed out to see him naked in the pond and stood there at the edge and then asked him, Ben, what are you doing there naked in the pond? I thought you were going to the bathroom. No, that bathroom thing was a lie. Well, not all the way a lie. I peed over in that corner of the pond, but I want to be like a fish. So I got out of my human clothes, jumped in here to swim like them. So I've been listening to some podcasts over the last few days, and I wanted to recommend a few. The first one is Curious Nixons, a podcast hosted by two BFFs who talk about everything and anything spooky, macabre, and just plain strange. They're great. Go check them out. Casting Through Ancient Greece is a brilliant history podcast which walks you through ancient Greece from prehistory to the Hellenistic period. If you're a history buff, this podcast is the one for you. Their latest episode is on the rise of the Persian Empire and its impact on Greece. Myths Your Teacher Hated I absolutely love this podcast. It is so full of energy and is just so innovative and funny. Rarely takes the old dusty myths and hurls them into the new era. Also, they deal with myths from all around the world, including myths from India and Africa. Folklore on the Rocks. This is hosted by two hilarious hosts. This part is entertaining, informative, and will really make you laugh. They have myths and legends from around the world, like the Buru, Krampus, and the Kishi. Bring the Mio. Okay. Sure. If you want fun and laughs, this is the podcast for you. You'll feel as if you're part of the squad when you listen to these ladies. Seriously not safe for work, so if you're not comfortable with that, I would recommend steering away. But if not, you'll find fun and informative bits as well. Talking Back I love me a podcast on movies and video games, but I love it even more if it's hosted by two friends who banter with each other throughout the episode. This podcast is super fun and deals with some favorites like Jurassic Park, the Amazing Spider-Man comics, and The Matrix! Kya! I also want to give a special shout out to the Myths, Legend, and Lore podcast and to its host Siobhan Clark. Siobhan has not only been an amazing friend through this entire difficult time, but her podcast is one of the few which really allows me to be at peace for a little while. Please go give her podcast a listen, subscribe, and follow on social media. All of these podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts and really wherever else you listen. Go listen, subscribe, follow them on social media, and remember to review if you enjoy them. Thank you for listening and joining me today, and I hope you enjoyed it. 
remember to subscribe to Legendary Africa wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, wherever, and share with your friends, family, and assorted pets. Also, if you enjoy the podcast and want to share that love, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes for Apple users and portraits of Android peeps. We also have a YouTube channel and a website, so go check that out. Both are updated relatively regularly. The YouTube channel features the podcast episodes, and I'm hoping to have other random stuff in the future. Um, on the website, you can find out how to subscribe. You can take a look at some of our past episodes, our latest episodes, find out how to contact us, how to follow us on social media, all sorts of stuff. All links can be found in the episode description below. Check us out on at LegendaryPod on Instagram and at LegendaryPod1 on Twitter. Also, send me an email at staylegendarypod at gmail.com if you want to suggest any myth, legend, or lore um, topics. Or, you know, even just to say hello or send in thoughts for the tribute page on my um, on the Legendary Africa website. That would be really great. I'll see you next Saturday with an all-new ancient myth, legend, or folktale from our beautiful continent of Africa. Until then, tell your loved ones you love them, thank the angel on your shoulder, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Bye!